This is a 980 CKNW podcast. You are live with the App Show. Mike Agarbo here with John Beeler. We've got an interesting uh, show coming up here. Uh, we're going to have uh, a good friend on the program. His name is Victor Lucas. He has uh, been in the video game industry for a few decades now here in Canada. He's had some popular TV shows about the video game industry and digital entertainment. Uh, you might know him from Electric Playground. He's got a very popular YouTube channel as well. We're going to be talking about the future of app stores. Right now, we've got Apple with their app store. We've got Google Play with their Google app uh, Android store. But there's not a lot of competition. In the Apple world, there's zero. <laughs> uh, on the Google side, there are other Android app stores but the vast majority of people use the Google Play Store. So there's been a bit of chatter now from developers, um, some saying that Apple and Google are taking too much commission on every app that they sell, and not currently at 30%. A large uh, video game company called Epic Games is uh, taking Apple to court and saying that they don't want to pay that anymore. They want to negotiate a new deal. So we're going to be talking with Victor on what that means and why it's important that we know about it as consumers and app users. Let's talk about some of the app news now, now right now, John. Uh, one story that uh, we have been following, obviously because of the pandemic, is the COVID alert app for uh, our smartphones. That doesn't work in most places. <laughs> well, well we, it, it, it kind of works. Yes. Explain. Well, it's constantly logging any interactions with other people that have the app installed. What it's not doing is actually telling you if you're outside of Ontario right now that uh, you've interacted with somebody that has an infection because that facility is not turned on yet in, in BC and in all most provinces other than Ontario, which is currently the only one. So you can download the app, but it's useless unless you're in Ontario. Right. They do say, though, it's good to have it so that it's there and it's running and it's logging. So when they do flip the switch, which we'll talk about in a second, um, you will have at least two weeks worth of logging data so that they can actually go back and see if you did come into contact with anybody that was infected. So right now, Ontario is the main provinces uh, province that uh, is using this. Uh, it's been announced that uh, it looks like Alberta will be switching from their app, their AB Trace Together app, to the COVID Alert app. And uh, also, it looks like Newfoundland and Labrador will be uh, supporting it in September as well. Still, no word uh, from BC, uh, Manitoba, and Quebec. I guess in BC, we're going to follow the Uber route. And so sometime around 2030, if I'm projecting correctly we will get the COVID alert app icbc has to approve it first icbc has to approve the COVID alert i you know it it would just be so nice if everyone kind of got together on on things like this i mean it's one standard app it's going to work across canada we're not going anywhere except in canada yep. so that's a good thing so you don't have to have a separate app for every province that you're going to but you know i wish they would you know say are we going to support it or not and if they're not, why? Yeah. Well, why is this so hard? It seems like all of the health ministers and all of the uh, people responsible for this stuff are all in agreement across Canada about how this should be playing out. 
um, why the delay on each thing? My only thought would be that the delay is because they don't have the infrastructure set up to actually dole out those infectious codes, if you will. Um, and that's something that need, they need to sort of figure out how to do that, how to deploy that across all of the different hospitals and all the other places where that you would. It's true. I mean, I'm simplifying it. It's not just like turning a switch on. No, there's other things that have to happen. But you know, we should all be on the same page. One yeah. country, one app. Yeah, especially at least in BC right now with our, uh, it's everything's spiking right now, and it's like this would be a good time for us to know how to trace all that stuff. Well, I got to be honest, and again, I'm not a doctor or an infectious disease expert, but it just seems to me that this isn't going to end anytime soon. And I don't think there's going to be a miraculous vaccine in the coming months, as much as uh, some people, Donald Trump and (laughs) other politicians would uh, lead you to believe, you know, these things have to be tested. So I think we're still a year or two away from if they can come up with a a reliable vaccine for that uh contact tracing to me seems like one of the weapons we have against this and so the more tools effective tools of course that we have that we can isolate people that have uh the virus and warn others uh that would be important but it's interesting though because in ontario where there was where this does work there was 2.2 million downloads yes there's more than 2.2 million people in ontario yeah and this contact tracing system only actually flagged 90 infections. That's like a half hour in Ontario. You know? <laughs> like, so what, what that sort of illustrates is that even though, you know, there's, there's a fair amount of people that have downloaded it, it's still not actually um, tracking everything. And, and it's been out for a month and it's been pounded on by everybody, us included, that, you know, you get this app, it's not going to hurt. Um, and yet it's and it's anonymous it's not tracking you no there's no GPS there's nothing it's fine we're going to have to take a break don't forget to hit our website getconnectedmedia.com got a new contest going if uh, you were sad that you missed out on uh, last month's contest where we're giving away uh, a really nice smartphone we've got a new one we've got a new Samsung A51 smartphone uh, for uh, this month and again if you want a chance to enter go to getconnectedmedia.com hit the newsletter tab and All the instructions are there. It's super simple. Just subscribe and you'll be entered into this contest and all the ones going forward this year. And that's thousands of dollars in prizes. And the odds are good. When we come back from the break, are there new app stores in our future? Stay tuned. You are back with the App Show. Mike Agarbo here with John Beeler. Going to talk about a battle now happening in the app world. You might have heard of this. Apple with their app store up against Epic Games. They make a very, very popular video game right now. One of the most popular in the world, I would say, called Fortnite. Uh, Everyone's playing this. You're playing it. Yep. Uh, I'm playing it a little. Uh, The challenge is that to get the game, you either have to download it off of uh, like a Windows PC, for example, or through the Google Play Store or the Apple App Store. Or a console. Or a console. Yeah. So... If you are a developer and you have your app, game, whatever, on the Apple App Store or the Google Play Store, those guys get a 30% cut commission. So it's kind of difficult for you to sell the same game on those stores at a higher price uh, to justify that 30% commission. So a lot of developers uh, are feeling that, you know, hey, that's too much of a cut. 
And Epic Games here has, uh, I guess, drawn a line in the sand, basically saying they're not going to pay that. Uh, they made an update to their game in... Well, we, we should preface the fact that Epic Games makes a lot of money off of this particular game, uh, Fortnite, because... And, and it, it's interesting. It's free. It's a free game, but you're basically able to buy cosmetic upgrades that don't do anything for your gameplay other than make you look cool. You can buy like a Stormtrooper outfit or something else, and they make a lot of money off that, like hundreds of millions of dollars a month off that. So 30% of hundreds of millions of dollars is a lot of money. Yes. So this is a battle ongoing. Uh, Apple and Google, for that matter, have basically uh, kicked Epic uh, and their Fortnite uh, game out of their uh, respective uh, app stores. Uh, Epic is now suing Apple, uh, saying uh, it's an unfair monopoly. Again, we're not legal experts here. <laughs> but Definitely not. We just wanted to talk about the ramifications and why this is an important story to follow, even if you're not a gaming person. To help us uh, dive a little further in, we've got a great guest, uh, you know, a friend of mine, I don't even know how long now, 20, 30 years. His name is Victor Lucas. He is like the video game god of Canada. He, uh, you know, had the electric... Uh, not just Canada. Yeah, sorry, the world. Yeah, the world. No. Uh, popular uh, TV shows over the years, the Electric Playground uh, series. Uh, there's so many things that uh, he's done. Thanks for joining us, Victor. <laughs> That's I've never been introduced as a video game god. I feel like I I should be a playable character in Fortnite when you introduce me like that. That's crazy. Yeah, your character's Thank twenty. You for having me. Yeah, your character's twenty dollars. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, very interesting developments with this Epic versus Apple, and it's also Epic versus Google as well. And um, I think when you start to kind of talk about it, you can see the reasons why they're doing this. Um, I think it, they're not really trying to um, challenge the, you, you know, the the status quo so much as to kind of shine a spotlight on what these monopolies mean, because you know the Google. App, the Google Play Store and the uh, the iOS App Store, let's face it, they're monopolies. They control everything. It's been mostly to the benefit of consumers because prices have dropped as uh, their share of things has dropped. Uh, but they do have full control of everything. And I think what Epic is kind of positioning itself to be, although they are a, a giant out there. It's not a, a David versus Goliath. It's like a smaller Goliath versus, you know, a couple of massive Goliaths. But I think what Epic is positioning itself to be is a champion for other um, app makers and a lot of partners that use their, uh, you know, their Unreal Engine technology to kind of challenge the way that the fee structure plays out. They also, I think, have a, an end game of wanting to put the uh, Epic Game Store, which is something that they launched recently, where it, which is also a challenger to uh, you know another company that's been perceived as a monopoly with Steam and the way that they've sold PC games forever. Epic has a, an alternative with the Epic Game Store, and I think what they're trying to do is um, shine a spotlight on Android and iOS and say, "Look, you guys are like PC platforms." And there should be, uh, you know, competition with the way that uh, apps and games and things are sold out there and to sort of allow there to be uh, flexibility in the marketplace and to, and to have some competition on pricing and competition um, on the earnings that, that uh, app manufacturers are able to make. And I think that's really what they're trying to do Apple has made billions and billions of dollars by controlling the way that apps are served up this way. And this 
you know, opening of its uh, platform like that would be a massive challenge to them on many, many levels. But Epic is starting to gain a little bit of ground. They've got support from Spotify and I'm sure lots of other developers out there uh, that are trying to challenge all this. And one of the things that everybody is citing is that Amazon, who is a massive giant, is able to, uh, you know, sell movies without giving Apple a 30% cut of those movies, you know, or rent them through their Amazon Prime app. And so Apple has this ability to pick and choose who it's going to bend the rules for, you know? So, you know, it makes sense from Apple's perspective to say, well, look, everybody has to follow these rules, but it also makes sense on Epic's side to kind of think, well, if these platforms have become so ubiquitous, they've almost supplanted the idea of us being connected to computers, you know, for big chunks of our day. And on, you know, whether you're on Mac or you're on uh, a PC, you've got lots of options for purchasing things. Why shouldn't there be similar kinds of options on these portable computers that we all walk around with? It's a very interesting development. um, And it was very cheekily handled by Epic creating that Fortnite uh, uh, you know, re- replication of the 1984 commercial. Um, but it's certainly sparked a real conversation. No question. I, I, I think this has so many different potential uh, implications from, you know, independent gamers or developers mm-hmm. that, that create independent games that are, you know, usually really small shops and a couple of people. And that 30% would be huge for them uh, to sort of keep making those games. Um, but then on the other hand, I'm also thinking about, you know, it's Apple's house. They built the house. They've given them the tools for free uh, to, to to develop on. Um, and, you know, when you think about some of those things, it's like, well, I have to play by their rules and it, it's their house. You know, that's the deal. But I also kind of think it's a little heavy handed by Apple to say, well, you know, you can't do these sort of side things. If I choose to buy something on iOS within Fortnite, Apple gets 30%. If I choose to buy something on the Xbox side version of Fortnite, I should still have access to the same content on my Fortnite that's on my iPhone. Just a question here. Um, If you've got an account on Xbox playing Fortnite, your character there, it doesn't go over to the iOS side or the Google side, does it, if you're playing it there as well? Uh, yeah, I, no. I think there is some cross-platform, but I, I believe maybe some of the, I, I, you know, honestly, I, I don't know because I haven't tested it out on every single device, but Epic has been a big champion for cross-platform play yeah. for sure. And maybe this is part of the discussion as well. Maybe there are limitations, uh, you know, uh, built into the purchases and stuff. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, there, it, it, it there is this idea that if you purchase something anywhere, like we're quickly moving into this world where digital purchases of things should be transportable. You know, not only should they be transportable, but the license to that digital thing that you purchase should also have uh, inherent value so that if you are done with it, you can then sell it somewhere else, which opens up a whole <laughs> well, other can. That'll never but, happen. <laughs> well, I, I, I I wouldn't be so sure about that because of EU legislation. And I mean, there's a lot of people, like, these guys were all called in front of Congress recently, you know, Apple and Google. There's, there is a lot of- But Vic, have you seen those things when they get called in front of Congress? The Congress people have no freaking idea. No, they don't. <laughs> you know, know what I mean? How do you I fix know. my iPhone? But, but, <laughs> yeah. 
but things things will change as this becomes the norm, right? Like, yeah. what are we f actually spending our money on? I mean, honestly, we're all going to go to subscription on everything, you know. Like, yeah. and 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 also when we go to subscription, and I think Epic can see the writing on the wall. This idea of free to play and purchasing little bits and pieces that's going to kind of drift away because it's going to be more about time invested in things than it's going to be about nickel and diming. Uh, people to wear cool hats and stuff. You'll be able to earn all of that stuff based on your subscription to something. Um, but we're still probably a decade away from that. And then by that point, the idea of ownership becomes a moot thing. Uh, but right now it is incredibly important. And it's not just about the 30%. I think it's about um, uh, portability of the things that you do purchase and um, uh, being a, a, a more open and fair platform for all of the content creators out there. And certainly there's a lot of governments and a lot of uh, legal organizations around the world that are actively looking into this to try to uh, set some policy around it because Steve Jobs called it. He knew he was going to change the world with the iPhone and he sure as hell did. You know, it's very, it's a very different planet now because uh, you know, look at look at how our jobs have changed. We were uh, television producers and now we make content that streams and, uh, you know, is recorded digitally. And we're doing this interview over Zoom. Like everything has shifted because of our uh, our digital footprints and our digital connections to, to things. Um, it's not an analog world anymore. And, and and, you know, Apple has been a great uh, leader in that field to, to make that transformation. But also, do we want them to be, you know, a, a, a trillion dollar monopoly? Do we want them to to have all of that control? We're talking with Victor Lucas, uh, Canada's, uh, I guess, the world's uh, video gaming guru. Uh, we want to explore this a little more. So we're going to take a break when we come back more with Victor Lucas. And we're going to look at how much of the market Apple does own. And does it make sense for them to give up some of this power? You're listening to the App Show here on the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. You were back with the App Show. Mike and John here. We're talking about the epic battle between Apple and Epic. I see and, what you did there. Did you? Pretty good, eh? And Google. <laughs> epic is uh, a large video game uh, development uh, company, publishing company. They've got uh, their game Fortnite. They are battling Apple right now in court over their uh, allegation that uh, Apple and Google, for that matter, have a monopoly on their app stores. And, you know, for the most part on the Apple side, that is the case because you can't get apps anywhere else. If you're really super nerdy, there are little hacks and things you can do, but normal people don't do that. Uh, Apple, it's interesting compared to Google. They don't have as much market share. Google Android has the vast majority of market share around the world. In North America, Apple with their iPhone and their iOS, uh, they have 50% market share. But if you look at the numbers, even though Google Android has bigger market share, the Apple App Store by far outpaces the Android side as far as uh, you know sales and downloads. So Epic here now with their, their video game saying they don't want to pay Apple's 30% cut anymore. They want to do a new deal. They want their own Epic store inside of the Apple store, App Store, whatever that is. Uh, and they're going to court to try to see if they, they can change it. Personally, I don't know if they're going to be able to do it. Uh, Victor, if I look at the numbers, you remember when uh, the U.S. government tried to break up Microsoft back in the day? Yeah. Microsoft had 90% of the operating system market in the world. Yeah. Yes. It's not the same here. You've got Apple. Yes, they do have their own house to control it. But there's Google. They have more market share in the mobile space. And on the Google front, there are multiple app stores. You don't have to play on the Google Play Store. 
you can have your apps in other stores. Right, and um, that may be what happens with iOS, ultimately. Who knows what's going to happen? But I think what is interesting about this is the uh, the opportunity to work through it a little bit and to gauge um, the appetite for change and to uh, you know enlist uh, advice and wisdom and observation from the people that are active uh, business partners of Apple on the on the iOS uh, side on the App Store, and I think that's what Epic is trying to do here. You know, I think that. Um, it's not so much about sort of making or forcing Apple to change. It's about saying there is some dissatisfaction and there is a little bit of Apple getting to decide how and when they will bend the rules. And maybe those rules, which worked 10 years ago when the Apple you know, ecosystem was had a much smaller footprint and some of the biggest challenges that app developers and content creators of any kind and every scale face today have to do with discoverability. Maybe the idea of giving up a 30% share of your your uh, downloads to Apple um, seemed a little more fair 10 or 15 years ago, or 10 years ago, I guess, than it does now, you know, when you're just sort of tossed into this great vast ocean of apps and, you know, people are trying to figure out how to ring the bell to get some noise. And, you know, it's constantly compared to um, the 50% markup or the 60% markup that retail used to take on on PC software and games. Um, And and certainly this is, uh, you know, uh, monetarily wise or percentile wise, this is a better deal for uh, people that create video games or or, uh, PC apps or things like that or apps for your phone. But what's different is the retail experience when people used to be able to walk into a store, they were dealing with a one-to-one connection and human beings that were guiding them and curating and steering. And certainly some of those were paid and, and uh, you know, there were corporations that worked to get higher prominence when people would walk into stores. And that probably exists on both of the major app stores right now. But there is a lot less of that um, that personal connection. And so you are kind of left to your own devices. And I think a lot of app uh, creators feel uh, disappointed by the way that a lot of e-commerce and a lot of these e-stores and and specifically the iOS store kind of handles that relationship. So they, they take less of a percentile, but they do less work to help these creators get discovered and get found than I think a lot of retail partners would do because it would serve there was less competition and it would serve everybody for the staff of these different stores to be really experienced and really knowledgeable. Um, and certainly they were fed scripts and, and, you know, told to sold sell specific things, but um, you guys know what I'm saying. Like it was a different experience when you would walk into uh, an EB games and, and be guided to some hot new thing that you might not have ever heard of than it is to go on the, uh, Apple's game store and say, I don't, I, is there a star Wars game? I'm just going to download that. You know, like it's, it's very, um, it's, it's very, con- it's very confusing for consumers. So Apple could be doing more um, to help guide people. I mean, they have the, this incredible service right now, the uh, Apple arcade. I don't know if you guys subscribe to that. They've got tons and tons of games there, but it's really hard to get information about them. And we don't, we don't really know, you know, we get the blast of when a new game comes out, but we don't know the, you know, the the theory behind the game or the drive to create that game or why this game has value in sort of modern marketplace. And so consequently, I like 
I, I know about Apple Arcade, but I know very little about those specific releases. And I think it's incumbent on companies like Apple or or Google, if they have these kind of retail relationships with people to do more to help spread the word that way. But I would argue, Victor, if they were to be broken up, uh, the app store to be broken up and there could be multiple app stores, it's going to be yeah. 10 times worse because there's still going to be all those apps and all those games out there. And now they're not going to be in one central place. They're going to maybe be in a couple of those stores or maybe in this store, but not that store. And it's going to be even more difficult to be seen through uh, all all the noise. You just described the Android marketplace. <laughs> I don't, yeah. like, totally. Fragmentation. Yeah. It's crazy. And that's a big challenge with the Android marketplace on the on the Google side. Yeah. And it's it exists on PCs as well, and it exists on Mac to some degree as well. And people have to kind of, I mean, this is what we're grappling with, right? Like this is this is what the, the world is kind of trying to understand um, as we enter into uh, digital license rights and finding the best deal and, and, you know, knowing where to shop. And we saw this happen with movie retailers, which have been, I think, I can't remember which one it was, which shut down. And then they said, well, we're going to partner with Google and all the rights that you had to these movies, you can now watch on, uh, on the Google store. Um, but that kind of thing is happening as well, right? You just don't know where to sink your dollars into. And I, Ultimately, I think this is part of the road. You know, maybe what happens out of this is there's a reevaluation on on percentile. Maybe there's a different kind of a, a scale that is given to smaller developers and larger developers. Maybe there is a little bit more freedom or even a little bit more rigidity on the rules. Maybe Apple can't do things like um, say, no, Epic, you can't sell a any um, Fortnite uh, currency within the game without giving us a cut. Um, but neither can you, Amazon. You can't rent movies on the Amazon Prime Store without giving us a cut. We have to, you know, level the playing field for everybody. I, and I, honestly, I don't know what the answer is. Um, I mean, you know, the three of us spend all of our, our days looking through all of this information and, and uh, doing our best to, you know, tell the world about the things that excite us and interest us. But we're in this space all the time. And I think... Uh, you know, you, you also probably hear from a lot of content creators and app manufacturers, and I hear from a lot of game developers that it's just hard to get people to notice your stuff. And I think we probably uh, jointly also hear from a lot of people that uh, don't follow things as religiously as we do that are like, what do I get? What do I stream? What do I watch? What do I, you know, and will it still work if I get the new phone and if I upgrade the operating system? There is a lot of beauty and uh, and uh, incredible work and and value in the way that this stuff gets served up but there's also along with that a tremendous amount of new confusion and i think through this lawsuit um some of that stuff uh, is going to get worked through we're going to have to take a break we've been talking with victor lucas all about the big epic versus apple and google battle about the future of app stores when we come back more with victor lucas you are back with the App Show. Mike Agarbo here with John Beeler. We've been talking about app stores. There's a battle brewing between Epic, a large video game company, and Apple. Apple controls, uh, of course, their Apple App Store. There are no other app stores in the Apple universe. Epic, a video game company, is claiming that Apple is a monopoly and would like to see more competition so that they don't have to pay the what they claim is large commission fees. 
do you do you think they're going to be able to solve this in the courts, or do you think it's going to actually come down to some kind of regulation or something like the antitrust stuff, like we mentioned oh, earlier? Oh, I, I can tell you what's going to happen. They're going to lose because it's not a monopoly. Epic's going to lose. They're going to lose, hands yeah, down. Well, I'll I'll put you, I'll put a hundred bucks on that right now. Well, I don't know if it's as clear cut as that because uh, you know the battle in the press has been about Fortnite, but the real underlining kind of scare is that apple is going to drop support for epics unreal engine which has multiple uses across multiple apps many 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 video games are made with uh, the epic unreal engine but now it's starting to be employed in uh, the production workspace so there's movies and tv shows that are using it and famously the uh, mandalorians using the epic unreal engine to create all of its background imagery on I, screens I where actors that. Are, yeah. are being shot oh yeah, wow. it's incredible and um Vic, i think you're i think you're in- I think your basement was done in Unreal, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> this is all Unreal Engine. Yeah, you'll see this in season two of Mandalorian back here. Uh, and it's also being used in car commercials. It's being used for many, many different things. I'm sure there are app manufacturers right now working on AR uh, furniture you know, things where you can, you know, put on some glasses and, and decide where you're going to put your new couch, probably using un, Epic on un, Unreal Engine because it's so robust. You know, a lot of people don't know that like Epic has been working in production for a long time. Um, and a lot of car commercials that we watch on television or on, you know, streamed up before YouTube videos, those aren't even cars. Those those cars that we see on the road uh, are are pre-production uh, CGI models that are rendered in real time and manipulated to make them look so sexy. But they're basically video game, up to high res video game graphics. But you can't even tell. Watching. You can't tell. No, you can't tell. And that's that's how powerful the, that that application is, and how important it is to thousands of uh, content publishers out there, content creators but, out there. But that so almost got shut Apple, down in this whole thing. Yeah, if Apple says, you know what, nothing that, that you touch is allowed to be on our platforms, that's going to impact thousands of companies. And so if if uh, legally people get behind that as a, as a concept and Apple has the right to do that, then we're going to see Epic back right down because it's going to affect all of its partners and players and stuff out there. Um, I don't know what's going to happen, but I, I know that um, the concerns that are raised ha- have some validity um, and it's it, they could only be raised by a company the size of Epic. And... Uh, it's not perfect. I mean, the fact that e- the EU has been looking into this for a long time and has been wondering whether or not to, um, you know, break up monopolies and change businesses. I mean, all you got to look at is Apple's insistence on using the, their own proprietary uh, charge cable instead of just going to USB-C like everybody else. That's that's not cool. You know, like just just make the earth better and go with one standard <laughs> charge cable, you know, make it better for planet Earth. You, you heard it here from Victor Lucas. Make the earth better. <laughs> go with the one cable. Yes. One cable to rue them all. No, right. but that, yeah, no, it, it's an interesting point. Um, I don't think they'll they'll win on the Unreal Engine part. You know, obviously, there's so many of these developers and companies that are are using that. That would be a detrimental impact to all of those businesses. And, you know, in that part from the legal aspect, and again, I'm not a legal scholar or anything, um, I think Apple would, would lose on, on that component. Like they wouldn't be able to shut that part, that, that part down. Yeah. 
Monopolies are, are tricky. I mean, there's a tremendous amount of benefit from it. And certainly in Canada, we have lots of monopolies that are sort of government run that, that uh, um, give us a, a, you know, a, a social security that we can kind of depend on. Um, but they can be tricky and they can be manipulated and they can go, um, things can go awry um, and things can look unfair, you know, and uh, I, I think Apple's an extraordinary company, by the way, you know, like I, I, I'm all in on the iPhones and, and they're, yeah, I cut on a Mac every day and I work in this app, in this environment all the time. And they, I've been a happy Macintosh Apple customer for a long time, but um I don't think change is bad. You know, that's that's kind of what the message was in their commercial. It was it was cheeky, but uh, you know, I think in a different time in a different world, Epic would have an ally in Steve Jobs for challenging the norms. And Apple, let's face it, they they do stand to um, turn into the thing they were warning us about. If back in nineteen eighty four. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, absolute power corrupts absolutely, right? Well, there's no question that Apple, I, you know, from my experience over the years, I've been in the tech industry uh, since the beginning of time, you as well, Victor. I mean, they basically created this multi-billion dollar industry. I mean, yes, there was software development before uh, for Macs and, and Windows, but by really, you know, locking down this app store and making it easy for developers to monetize their work without it getting pirated, I mean, they've, I mean, built this house that has basically benefited, you know, millions of, of people, you know, not only from the consumer side, but the development side and pumped up this I mean, it's a trillion-dollar industry over the over the years. So um, it's incredible. It, it it really is. Victor, I want to thank you so much for joining us. I mean, there's so much meat on this, and uh, you know, we'll probably have you on again to uh, dissect this a little bit more in the future as we get more news. Where can people find out more about you? I know that you know when we breathe in the air, you know, you're there. Uh, but from an analog <laughs> and digital standpoint, where where can people find you? Uh, you know, I, I'm posting most of my content on YouTube these days and uh, you know, hustling and doing all kinds of other stuff behind the scenes. But I, I post a ton of content on our YouTube channel, which is uh, youtube.com slash EPN TV. And our website is EPN.TV. That was Victor Lucas, uh, a man who has uh, really driven uh, the digital entertainment and video gaming uh, side here in Canada and around the world with his fantastic programming, his YouTube channel, his TV shows uh, over the years, and uh, uh, delight to have on the show and uh, a good friend of mine. When we come back from the break, a little more app uh, talk. Stay tuned. You're back with the app show. Mike and John here. Don't forget to hit the website, getconnectedmedia.com. Not only to enter the contest because we're giving away a fantastic Samsung Galaxy A51 smartphone, but we have so much great content happening up there too. So not only are audio and video podcasts uh, and uh, you know we've got the app show and of course uh, the Get Connected program, but we're constantly doing uh, first looks of new tech gadgets, smart home technology, what smartphones to buy tips and tricks when it comes to technology, you know, what you should be concerned about from a security standpoint. I mean, there's so much going on from blogs to videos to, like I said, the uh, podcasts, it's all up there. And it's great if you come and visit because it helps us make even more content. And again, uh, we're giving away that Samsung Galaxy A51 smartphone. If you want a chance to uh, win that uh, little puppy, all you have to do is hit the website, get connected getconnectedmedia.com, go to the newsletter tab and subscribe and you are automatically uh, entered. 
want to thank all the folks that helped put the program together, including John uh, Beeler here, my co-host and producer, and of course, uh, Christina and the rest of the team back at the ranch. We'll see you again next time. You've been listening to a 980 CKNW podcast. Listen live at cknw.com, the Radio Player Canada app, TuneIn, Amazon Alexa, HD Radio at 101.1 FM HD2, and on the AM dial, 980 CKNW.